It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend, Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church. How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Thank you, thank you, thank you. First of all, let me say this. Welcome to the Sundays with Dr. Sean. Uh, I am Sean Greener, and I'll be speaking today. I just wanted to, first and foremost, say we offer our prayers to the folks of uh, Texas, it's a real rough time, and apparently it's going to get a lot rougher. Uh, 50 inches of rain is a record-setting rain in that period of time, and it's going to be devastating. And uh, I know they're doing all they can do now. And, and my only advice to you as a former first responder is when they, when they tell you to get out, when the weather people say get out, don't wait around, don't hem and haw, get out. Number one, if you stay, you put first responders and other people who are going to try to save your life you put their lives in jeopardy. Number two, and, and more importantly, are you really going to hold back the water with your will? Are you going to walk out and hold your hands up and say, no, you're not coming in my home? Your home is going to be lost whether you're there or not. The difference is, is whether there'll be a dead body in it when they find you, whether they have to make an X, a red X on your wall. So just serious advice, and, it, and it's worth taking, and I think it's foolhardy to do anything other than that. Now, a lot of people are really struggling right now. I have several very close friends who are there. Thank God they're okay. One of my friends lost everything. Single-story home, four or five feet of water in it. Everything is gone. Everything is lost. And I have another friend who, thank goodness, his, uh, his home is on high ground, but the water is actually up in his yard now, and it's never even been up to the curb before. So we're just hoping and praying with this next rain that's coming over the next 24 to 48 hours that, uh, you know, that it'll stay down. But there's a lot of people in serious trouble. Today's message is going to be intense. Um, I want to encourage you to get in a comfortable position. Uh, turn off your phone. Turn off whatever you got to do, whatever distractions you have. This is not one you're going to want to, you're going to want to have any distractions for. Um, it is uh, entitled, Who Am I? Who Are You? Changing Personalities on Purpose, the Ultimate Identity Crisis. 
And it's going to be intense. It's going to be direct. It will not be the easiest message to deliver or to hear. Singer and songwriter Jason Crabb wrote a very powerful gospel song. I'll read it for you now, but when you get home, I'd love for you to look it up. I'm gonna, there's going to be a couple of songs that I'm going to read the lyrics to today. I would encourage you when you get home, write it down if you have a note pen. Uh, write it down and then go on YouTube and watch it. You could listen to it on something, but I really want you to watch it. It's very powerful and very important that you see what's going on as well as here. I'm not on an ego trip. I'm nothing on my own. I've made mistakes and often slipped. I'm just common flesh and bone. But I'll prove someday just why I say I'm of a special kind. For when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He knew me, yet he loved me. He whose glory makes the heavens shine, so unworthy of such mercy. For when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. A look of love was on his face, the thorns upon his head. The blood ran down that sacred face, its stain was crimson red. But his eyes were on the crowd that day. Jesus looked ahead in time. For when he was on the cross, you and I were on his mind. He knew me, yet he loved me. He whose glories makes the heavens shine, so unworthy of such mercy. For when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Yeshua, could, he could do that for us because he knew who and whose he was and is. He knew also who we are. Uh, Aaron Conrad, he's going to be on my show. Uh, he's an internet sensation. Uh, he's also a really neat guy. He's the executive marketing director for Bo Jackson. If you've ever heard of Bo Jackson, a great athlete, multi-sport uh, professional athlete, great college athlete, set all kinds of records, Hall of Fame, all that. And then Bo Jackson blew out his hip. He's the first person to ever play with an artificial hip, if you remember that. Absolutely unbelievable. He's the first and the only. So Aaron Conrad, he's going to be on my show on Wednesday. He wrote this. He didn't write this, but he quoted it on his blog, and it's millions and millions of hits on it. Uh, and the guy who wrote it wrote it for his son, and Aaron thought of this for his son, and I agree with him. It's called Rules for My Son. Never shake a man's hand sitting down unless you can't get up. There are plenty of ways to enter a pool. The stairs ain't one. Remember, these are rules for your son. There are plenty of ways to enter a pool. The stairs ain't one. Number three, the man at the grill is the closest thing we have to a king. Number four, in the negotiation, never make the first offer. Number five, act like you've been there before, especially if you're in the end zone. Number six, request the late checkout. Number seven, when entrusted with a secret, keep it. Number eight, hold your heroes to a higher standard. Number nine, return a borrowed car with a full tank of gas. Number 10, don't fill up on bread. Number 11, when shaking hands, grip firmly and look them in the eye. Number 12, don't let a wishbone grow where a backbone should be. Number 13, if you need music on the beach, you're missing the point. Number 14, carry two handkerchiefs. The one in your back pocket is for you. The one in your breast pocket is for her. Number 15, you marry the girl, you marry the whole family. Number 16, be like a duck. Remain calm on the surface and paddle like crazy underneath. 16, 
Number 17, experience the serenity of traveling alone. Number 18, never be afraid to ask out the best-looking girl in the room. Number 19, never turn down a breath mint. Number 20, in a game of horse, sometimes a simple free throw will get them. 21, a sport coat is worth a thousand words. 22, try writing your own eulogy and never stop revising it. 23, thank a veteran and then make it up to him. 24, if you want to know what makes you unique, sit for a caricature. 25, eat lunch with the new kid. 26, after writing an angry email, read it carefully and then delete it. 27, ask your mom to play. She won't let you win. 28, see it on the big screen. 29, give credit and take the blame. Number 30, write down your dreams. And I'm here to tell you, a man who can do that, a man who could do those 30 things, as a matter of practice and character in his life, he will know who he is and he will know what he is. Now, you might be thinking, the ninja bastard done lost it. What do these two seemingly unrelated things that I just read have to do with one another? Well, you may be right, I may be crazy, but there is a point here. And if you hang on with me and you pay very close attention, you just might be glad you tuned in or came here tonight. Who in the world do you think you are? Who in the world do you think I am? Who in the world do we think God is? Now I have to ask you, have you ever lost yourself? I mean, have you ever, for a period of time, for whatever reason, lost who you are, lost what you stand for, lost faith in what you believe, just lost in whatever Satan's lying elixirs for what ails you in life? Trapped you, caught you, snared you. You chose it. You don't have to raise your hand or stand and testify. I think it's fair to say most of us at some point or another in our lives, we've really stepped off the subway platform into the train's path with a grin of misguided, selfish stupor on our face. Most of us, or at least the honest ones, remember a time in our life in which we made the completely wrong decision to do one thing or the other that we wanted to do but knew we shouldn't. And when we were making that decision and taking that step, we knew we were wrong no matter how it turned out in the end. Some of us got through our own stupidity and stubbornness safely and in one piece. Everything didn't fall apart, even though it should have and it could have. And it could be even now that still nobody knows. Nobody knows what you did. Everything didn't fall apart, and despite you doing everything you shouldn't have, your life isn't ruined, or maybe it is, on the inside of your body and your mind and your heart, where it matters most. I'm going to be very completely transparent and very honest about myself, and for some of you this may be way too much, but after my fatal head-on 92-mile-per-hour versus 51-mile-per-hour car crash, I was prescribed a drug. I'm not going to say the name of the drug because they'll sue me. They have lots of money, and I have none. But it is widely prescribed to people with brain injuries, seizures, and intractable pain, all of which I had, all of which I still have. The thing is, this drug has terrible side effects, and one of them is you lose your inhibitions. You lose any reluctance to do what you know you shouldn't do. 
things you might never have thought of doing before, reacting to others, responding to others, seeing things dramatically different than they actually are. A powerful paradigm shift in thoughts and actions. And many of you had to deal with me during that time, and for that I am sorry. Not that I'm a peach to deal with normally. I'm not going to make it like I'm easy to deal with. But on this prescribed drug, I really, truly at times didn't know who or what I was. Now, I'm no longer taking that drug, and I can tell you the ramifications of that time are extraordinary and long-lasting. To tell you the truth, it really boils down to this. I no longer knew who I was. Who am I? Who are you? And who is God? I'll tell you, this is the most dangerous place a person can ever be in their lives is lost in themselves, not knowing who or what they are. Lost is dangerous. When you're lost in yourself, you are dangerous to yourself and anyone who loves you. Now, I got a lot of uh, letters and mail and emails and messages from uh, the seven levels of lying last week. And, and I'm going to tell you something. If you're involved with a person like that, whether it's a family member, a friend, whatever the case may be, I'm telling you, I kid you not, extricate yourself now because they will break you. They will ruin you for what you are and who you are. And you know what? What will happen as a result is you will not know who you are. You'll be lost. Lost is dangerous. So you might ask, who am I? And in order that, I thought about this six ways to Sunday. In order to ask that, answer that question accurately, there's one thing I do not need to know, and that is this. Who are you? If I ask myself, who am I? If I'm truly asking myself, who am I? I don't need to know who you are. I don't need to know your hurts, habits, or hang-ups. I don't need to know your personality. I don't need to know who you think you are. I don't need to know who mama told you you are. I don't need to know who whatever deal you're dealing with in your life hidden away that maybe nobody knows. It doesn't make a hill of beans because it doesn't affect who I am. It doesn't answer that question. A lot of people take a lot of time, and they step outside themselves at times like this, and they say, hello to my brother, Don. So good to see you, brother. We missed you. We've been praying for you. It's great to have you here. In order to answer the question, who am I, if you're, answer, if you're asking yourself, if you for real are asking yourself, I don't mean this silly business that you see on television people do. I'm talking about you really ask yourself, who am I? You don't need to know who somebody else is. You don't need to compare yourself. You don't need to set somebody else as a benchmark. Who are you? It sounds rough and it sounds unkind, but really and truly, it doesn't matter who you are in the pursuit of who I am. If I want to find out who I am, I don't need to know who you are. What matters in the question of who I am is who I am, just as I am. Who am I? Here's more of me than you may ever want or need to know, so you can tune out now if you don't want to know it. One of the most consistent struggles in my life can be summed up with one word identity. I first became aware of it in my early teen years, but the intense and sometimes debilitating struggle continued even into my adulthood. I had no self-concept. I didn't know who I was at all. I tried to be good at sports, and I was, to see if maybe that could be my identity. I tried to be good at performing, acting and singing and playing music, and I was, to see if that could be my identity. I tried to be good at art, and I was, to see if that could be my identity. I tried to be good with the ladies, and I was, to see if that could be my identity. Now, we laugh and we chuckle at that, but I'm telling you, that can be a devastating pursuit. 
if you're doing that to find out who you are. I tried to serve with honor in the military, and I did, to see if that could be my identity. I tried to serve with honor in law enforcement, and I did, to see if maybe that could be my identity. I tried to be one of the best bodyguards I could ever be, and I was, to see if that could be my identity. I tried to be a straight-A student in my university education, and I was, to see if that could be my identity. From an early age, from an early age on, on the outside, everything looked great. But I developed, at the age of 16, bleeding ulcers, bleeding in internal organs, such crazy stuff going on with my body. But on the outside, I was like that duck on the surface. On the surface, the duck was calm, cool, and collected. But underneath, he was paddling like crazy. Everything on the outside looked great. But I was sick on the inside. I put so much pressure on myself to become a person of worth. And that's just a short list, the things that I just said about where I tried to find my identity. And you know what? Through the years, I've transitioned into and out of many identities. Athlete, performer, United States Navy sailor, son, husband, brother, father, husband again, small business owner, operator, police officer, student, bodyguard, singer, friend, radio personality, author, and speaker. But which really defines me? Do any of these things define me? Which defines me just as I am? The excellent Sunday school teachers that I've had in my life and all of the great preachers that I've been privileged to listen to and all of the books, thousands of books. I've literally read over 2,500 books in my lifetime. The answer was always faintly echoing in my ear. I am God's child. He loves me and he made me in his image. And that sounds very cool to say and very Christian and very doctorate in theology to say, but why was that never enough? Even as an adult man who's had a modicum of success in life, why did I always find myself still clawing for identity, approval, and secretly, terribly, panically fearing failure? Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe somebody here or somebody around the world. We've got people listening from all over the world right now. And welcome to everybody in chat. Thank you for joining us. Please share this link when we're finished. The Bible verses that were supposed to somehow make me feel secure lacked any traction in my heart and my mind. What people said about me held a lot more weight, even if those people really didn't even know me even though they most often, to be very honest, said very complimentary things. I didn't really believe them. When it was positive, I thoroughly and completely believed them when it was negative, and you can bet on that. Even though everything looked stable on the outside, my day could be saved or destroyed by an email, a rejection, a betrayal, an embarrassment, somebody lying to me, or a compliment or a lack thereof. You know, I don't respond well to sarcasm. I don't respond well to practical jokes. It's not my thing, and this is why. Only within the last few years, I've admitted to myself that I doubted the unconditional and intimate, genuine nature of God's love for me. Only in the last few years, you know that. 
how could I be sure that his love wasn't based on how I perform or what I do for him? Like I viewed everybody else's love. You see, I measured how God loves me by everybody else's love. I preached the past two weeks, I preached on major hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I preached on how somebody who is supposed to love you might protest greatly, swear on the eyes of whoever is the most important to them that they love you for all eternity. And guess what? Sometimes they can desperately let you down. Sometimes that person that's supposed to protect you and care for you will break your heart. It could be your mom. It could be your dad. It could be your siblings. It could be a friend. It could be a mate. It could be any number of people. It could be somebody at work. It could be a neighbor. It doesn't matter. The point is it doesn't matter. What matters is how could I be sure that God's love wasn't based on the stuff, that list of stuff that I either achieved or failed? Because I looked at everybody. I measured everybody else. And then I applied that measurement to God. I've had people profess their love to me only to change their mind somewhere along the way. How could I be sure that God wouldn't do the same thing? How many in here? You can raise your hands if that's ever happened to you. Somebody said, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Turns out they didn't. They were liars. They were betrayers. I've come to realize that God's words of love for me held little weight because they always had been delivered secondhand. Many others had told me of God's love. Remember, I just told you that I sat under great preaching. Even as a young man, I've heard some of the greatest preachers in the whole wide world. Well before the Internet, well before YouTube and all that stuff, I actually have been privileged to hear some of the greatest preachers firsthand, one-to-one, personally. And yet all of that great preaching, all those powerful truths held little weight. Many others had told me of God's love, but I needed to hear it from God himself. So I began asking him, and I began to wait for the answer, and waiting, and waiting. And here's what I discovered. God didn't just tell me that he loves me. He began to tell me who I really am. Listen, when you draw near to Hashem and listen, he doesn't speak generically. He speaks specifically. If you look closely at the Bible, you'll see time after time how the Lord spoke personally and intimately to a person about who they are. Here's some examples. Hang on to your hat. Abram, you are the father of many nations. Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Daniel, you are highly esteemed by God. How? Let me, let me ask you something. How would it feel for you going through life if you heard God say, Sean, you are highly esteemed by me. I esteem you highly. He said that to Gideon. Daniel, or he said Gideon was a mighty warrior. Daniel, he said he was highly esteemed. Mary, you are highly favored by God. She was told. You are highly favored. Peter, or Kepha is his real name. You are the rock upon which I will build my church. Can you imagine? On the one hand, no stress, no pressure, the whole church in the world forever, but okay. But on the other hand, you got to be thinking... Lord, do you not remember when I, I, I betrayed you three times? You must love me. You must trust me. And how about David? David could identify with all of what I've just preached with. 
you were a man after God's own heart. A song that means so much to me is a song written by Dick Wagner and Rob Hegel. If you don't know who those songwriters are, look them up. I'm telling you right now, Dick Wagner and Rob Hegel have written some of the most powerful music ever written in this world. And it was sung masterfully by who undoubtedly is, to me, the greatest voice this world has ever known. A guy that has said many times publicly, you know, he struggled with his weight terribly. He struggled with his self-image terribly. One of the greatest voices to ever open his mouth in song, David Phelps, struggled with so many of the things that I struggle with, just as I am. Dear Lord, I'm on my knees again. I come to you because you understand. I've tried so hard, but I just can't change myself. That's why I know I need your help. So here I am. This is my plea. My only hope is your love for me. I'm reaching out so desperately. Come take my hand. Take all of me just as I am. Oh, Lord, you make what's broken new. Why can't I just learn to follow you? I want, I want to know you, to feel you in my soul. I surrender all control. So here I am. This is my plea. My only hope is your love for me. I'm reaching out so desperately. Come take my hand and take all of me. Just as I am. Not afraid to follow you where you lead me. I can leave the past behind me. I'm forgiven. And I'm free. So here I am. This is my plea. My only hope is your love for me. I'm reaching out so desperately. Come take my hand. Take all of me just as I am. Then this occurred to me. This very powerful realization that I was not reaching out for the right things. I was reaching for the wrong things, no matter how important they may seem to me, and maybe they would seem to you to be important to who I was and am and will be. Maybe you can identify with this. I don't know if you can. Maybe I'm preaching to the crickets. I don't know. But I have to think somebody out there with as many listeners online and people that are here in this room, it's got to apply to one person more than me. Consider this very powerful message from the Gaither Vocal Band. And from Scripture, directly taken from Scripture. It's called the Alpha and Omega. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man. He shall dwell within them. They shall be his people, and Almighty God will be with them. He shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, no more pain. The former things have all passed away. He sat upon the throne, said, Behold, I make all things new. He said unto me, Write these words, for they are faithful and they are true. And it is done. It is done. It is done. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's everything, Messiah, Jehovah, and the Prince of Peace. He is Son of Man, Seed of Abraham second person in the trinity he is the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the son of god king of kings lord of lords he's everything messiah jehovah the prince of peace is he 
can you imagine? The great I am. God knows who he is. God knows what he is. Folks, maybe you were, like me, going to the wrong well to quench your... You, you, you had an unquenchable thirst for acceptance and love, just like me. Just like me. Maybe you were going to that well, just as you are. But I want to remind you, I want to remind you of the story of the woman at the well. When you have the chance, I want you to look up water on YouTube. I'm not advertising YouTube, but I want you to look up Water by David Phelps. He and his daughter sing this song. I want you to look it up. When you get home or if you're on the road, obviously don't do it now. But I want you to remember, it's one word, Water by David Phelps, P-H-E-L-P-S. As the desert sun burned hot upon my face while drawing water in the middle of the day, please give me a drink. That stranger is speaking to me. My child, do you think you could spare me some water? He must want more than water. But you have crossed the line between us, me and you. She is afraid. She is so broken. Why, when you ask me for water like you do, this is her chance. She's ready now. Oh, but if you only knew, he speaks with so much heart, and who it is that speaks to you, you would ask me for water. I want to know more of this water. There is a living stream flowing from the deep. How can it be free and eternal, endless and eternal? Drink from this only spring where you take a drink and never thirst again. Can it set me free? Let it set you free. So this water is a gift that you can give. Please take it now. It costs you nothing. But if you only knew the life I've lived, I know the life that you have lived you can be different than before. But then you took the shame. It is forgotten. You can go and sin no more. So this is how it feels to be forgiven. My child, be forgiven. There is a living stream flowing from the deep, endless and eternal. Drink from the only spring where you take a drink and never thirst again. Let it set you free and then she said my whole life has been a has been in chains a prisoner to this world and the master says my child now go and tell now at last this living water sets me free how at last this living water sets you free there's a living stream flowing from the deep endless and eternal drink from the only spring where you take a drink and never thirst again let it set you free that had set me free. My friends here and listening around the world, please don't depend on the things of this world to free you. I'm telling you, it is a trap. They will only entrap you. I don't care if it's a job. It's a, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. Now, you can pick apart the sermon all you want for whatever you want, but don't pick it apart for saying that I said don't go to work if you're a Christian and work hard and do right and be honest. Listen to last week's sermon. And if, that, if nothing tells you that, that that's stinking thinking, then I don't know what does. But the fact of the matter of it is, none of that really matters. If you depend on a job or you depend on even a mate or you depend on a friend, whether you call them a best friend or otherwise, to free you, you are going to the wrong well. They'll only entrap you. 
drink finally and forever from the living water of Yeshua Hamashiach, the living Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of all. Now, look, I'm going to ask you, whatever you're hurt or hanging up, whatever your habit is tonight, give it once and for all and forever. He's worthy. And he is able to take from you the world's expectations of you that have so enslaved you. I'm telling you, they enslaved me for real and for true. Much of my life has been spent trying to make my father proud of me, trying to make my family proud of me, trying to make someone I fancied proud of me, truthful to me. I'm telling you, there is nothing and there is no one, and I mean nothing, that can do what he can and will do if only you let him. And I'm going to say this to you. You're going to slip. And when you do slip, when your mind falls backward toward the pit you're trying to escape once and for all, remember him, capital H. Talk to God. Talk with God. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Now, David Phelps, once again, sums up what is truly in my heart, maybe yours too. And he wrote this song. He was in the exact same place that I've been in and many times in my life. And I've read his notes on this song. I've read, you know, what was going, going on. And I'm going to tell you, this guy was in a bad place. Now, let me paint the picture for you. This guy's voice. Look him up when you get home. If you don't like uh, supreme tenors, if that's not your thing, he's not your guy because he's the greatest tenor I believe has ever lived. Now, when he was just a little boy, he could sing with the voice of an angel. Pitch perfect. He had power. He could circular breathe when no one taught him how to circular breathe. He just figured it out. When he started at the piano, he sat at the piano and he could play. Nobody really knows how, but he did. He was extraordinary at songwriting. He was extraordinary at sight-reading music. He was extraordinary at reading through a song once and having it memorized. He was a world-leading talent. And the world came a-calling. They wanted so desperately for him to take on a secular career. Something kept drawing him to Jesus. Something kept telling him. Now, he grew up in church, but when they're, when they're, listen, a lot of people said, oh, he sold his soul. He sold his soul. Sold his soul for money. That's easy to say when you don't have any money. When nobody's knocking at your door talking about, we'll give you $10 million right now. You do five albums, we'll guarantee you $10 million. We'll give you 15% of album sales, and we'll pay for your tour and give you 20% of the tour. Anybody in here do that? I'm going to raise my hand just to give you an example of what to do if you did, didn't do it to me. Didn't do it to me. I've not had that happen, so it's easy to say. So let's shut up about all that. Well, you know, you know, he sold his soul. He didn't. Do you think the, the, the enemy let him go on that? Do you think the devil let him have a pass? No. And this is the result of what happened in his life as a result. I can fool my closest friends. I can fool my loved ones too. I can fool myself, but then, Lord, I know I cannot fool you. I am walking wounded, broken. I want back the joy I knew. I need something real to hope. And Jesus, what I need is you. I don't need a voice of thunder for me to believe it's true. I don't need a sign or a wonder. Jesus, what I need is you. I've been such a great pretender, but it's wearing on my soul. I've no terms for my surrender. Help me, Jesus. Make me whole. 
I don't need a voice of thunder for me to believe it's true. I don't need a sign or wonder, Jesus, what I need is you. I'm so sick of being afraid, sadness knocking at my door. If you can fix this mess I've made, take me. Take me now. I'm yours. Jesus, what I need is you. I'm going to tell you this, don't wait. If you've not placed your faith in Christ, don't wait. Don't wait one more day. Don't do like a lot of those folks down in Houston and in that part of Texas that folks told them. They did the same thing with Katrina. Now, unfortunately, they both had leaders, the mayor of Houston and, and the now incarcerated, federally incarcerated mayor, Ray Nagin of, of uh, New Orleans. They poo-pooed the storm. They poo-pooed all the, the federal weather people who said, no, this is going to be a storm of the century. You've got to get your people out of there. Get them out of there. Your city is... Eight feet below sea level. You've got to get them out of there. He says, no, nah, we'll be fine. We can handle it. We've handled it before. And thousands perished. We don't know what the death toll will be in Houston. Don't be like this. People don't wait. Place your faith fully and finally in Christ and the Father. He loves you as no person can. People will so disappoint you. Listen. When I say people will so disappoint you, I'm not saying that as a person who has never severely disappointed somebody. I have. I'm telling you, I am telling you sure as I'm standing here, I have disappointed some folks who will forever look at me differently. They will, for whatever the reason, whether it was the drug I was on or a, a stupid mindset, and they will never look at me the same, ever. But people will lie to you, they will betray your trust, they will crush you. And I'm here to tell you, God never will. We can't look at God. We cannot recreate God in our own image. Listen, we can't look at God as the answer to who we are. If we are looking at God as who we are, he is not us. He is not like us. He doesn't do what we do. He doesn't think how we think. And he doesn't break promises. You can trust him. You can trust him. We all have lied. We all have betrayed trust. We all have crushed somebody else's heart. But God never will. I'm going to say this. This is something that, I, that I've been lightly touching on, but I'm so moved to do it. And you back there, you don't know this, but you got me started on this. By a gift you gave a long time ago, you got this started. Kind of secretly, uh, I've been sending Bibles to any, anywhere in the world. If somebody contacts me, if you're listening to this tonight, and you contact me, smgreener at gmail.com, or go to the Ninja Pastor, go to contact me, go to contact me, and send me an email. But just send me smgreener at gmail if you're on Twitter or whatever, whatever you're on. I'm on, I'm on all that stuff, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. Send me a message. Send me an email. And, and, and if, you, if you don't have the means to get a Bible or where you live, there's no Bible store, and, and you, just don't, you just don't have it, get a hold of me. I will send you a Bible. This, this Kehala will send you a beautiful leather Bible. We don't go chump on this. They're $60 a piece. That's what it costs me. I don't believe in giving chumpy Bibles, do you? 
It's the most precious gift you could ever get in your life. My goodness. My mother taught me that. My mother gave a Bible uh, 40-some years ago to a lady in church who she knew she couldn't afford a Bible. My mother didn't go give some chump Bible to somebody. She gave her a beautiful study Bible, leather-bound, Smythe bounding, the best binding you could get, the best print. And then she inscribed it for her as a gift to her, real quietly, real peacefully. And you know, you know who's, it's somebody we dearly love, makes great roast beef, and her mother. She gave that dear lady a Bible. She had lost her husband. She was pregnant with our dear friend, the girl I grew up with. Times were super tough, and she didn't have a Bible. And my mom gave her a Bible. And don't you know, that lady is just shy of my mother's age of 87 years old, and she still has and treasures that Bible. Don't give junk. What's written inside there is what matters, but believe you me, I, I always want to be known for giving a good Bible. Get a hold of me, and we will get you a Bible. Within the week, within this week, unless you live on the moon, I don't know the address to the moon, but wherever you live, I'll see to it, by the end of this week, you'll have a Bible. Get a hold of us and let us know. Let me say this in closing. Yeah, he really is finished. People said to me last week, it must cost you a mint for radio time because nobody ever knows how long you're going to go. This week I'm about finished. I want to say this to you. It's very important that you hear this. If you heard nothing else tonight, strip away any distraction that you have right now. If you're driving, maybe pull over safely. I am telling you this as sure. Listen, I have a, uh, I have a degree in counseling. I had a, a counseling practice. I had an elite life coaching practice. I've talked to some of the most successful people in the world, and they've told me some of their deepest, darkest secrets, and we've helped them through that. But you know what? Nothing I say, no, no cool little trick or technique that I say to somebody is ever going to rip from their soul the hurt that many, many people, people, I'm telling you, People that walk around that look similar to me in that looks like it's all together. Remember the duck paddling like crazy underneath, calm and collected up on top. Looks like you got everything together. There are so many more people walking around this world. Underneath the surface, they're dealing with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Some people, they, they lie compulsively, compulsively, and it's ripping them apart. Some people are so afraid of being found out that they're not as great as they think other people think they are. They lie their way through it. They fake it until they make it, but they never make it because they, they can't ever do and be what they think other people expect of them. I know people right now that they, they're with a family or with friends, and they're eating very sparsely, but when they leave, they'll go and get a whole pizza, and they'll eat it in the car, and they'll stop at a trash can on the way home, and they'll throw that box away. What would you have to eat? Oh, I just had a few bites with so-and-so. There are people right now that are relying on another person in their life, outside of their marriage, to make them feel like they're somebody, like they're worthwhile. There are people right now, people right now, that are addicted to drugs, whether prescribed or otherwise, and they're on the edge, and nobody knows it. There are people listening to my voice right now in the United States of America who are trying to find a way to buy pills because they're lonely and they're hurting and their heart is heavy and they just want to take 
away the pain. I have a dear friend. I've been begging her to come. She's hurting. you got to pray for her. Her name is Terry. She lost her sweet daughter. She's been here before. She lost her sweet daughter to heroin. I'm telling you, I love that daughter. She was she was so sweet. I thought of her as like a little niece to me. She did my braces for three years. And she died of a heroin overdose. Seemed like she had everything. I'm telling you, that's a hole in somebody's heart. There are people all around you that are going through stuff. And you know what? Sometimes we think we're all by ourselves in this. That's the whole purpose of me preaching this sermon tonight. Delivering this message tonight, revealing stuff about me, quite frankly, they'll tell you in seminary, don't ever tell them your stuff. They will. There's whole classes on it. Don't tell them your stuff. In preaching, there are whole classes. You take preaching one, preaching two, and preaching three, and then at the doctorate level, they tell you, don't tell your personal business. Don't tell them your failings. People don't want to hear it. They can't hear it. They'll lose faith in you. That's okay. That's okay. If they do and you do, that's okay with me. Lord told me to preach this. I'm going to preach it. I'm done preaching the fluffy stuff. Final thing I want to say before we close is this. If you don't know Yeshua Hamashiach, if you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you, don't wait another minute. It's so simple. It's so easy to say, God, I need you. I need you now more than I ever did. I realize my need now more than I ever did. And I'll tell you what, God, if you don't come into my heart right now, if you don't take over who I am, I will be lost, not just to myself, but to the world. I've got hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I've got sins. I've got failings. I've screwed up. And I need help. Not just to get me out of this, God. You know, everybody thinks you have grace that there's no consequences. The world may still exact consequences for your behavior. How many of you know people that that maybe 25 years ago committed a crime, a heinous crime even, but they turned their life around, and they became a good person, and then they got caught. They found out some, some good detective, some good detective got on a cold case and caught who it was, and that man now or that woman now has a family, and they've turned their whole life around. And you know what? When they get caught, They've lost everything. But almost, I've studied this extensively, almost 100% of them said, it's a relief. I tried to do good things with my life, but I knew I had to pay the consequences. I'm telling you, when you pray this prayer, you're you're not asking God for to get you out of a bad way. You're asking God, to fix your heart. You're asking God to fix your soul. And most importantly, you are asking God to fix your eternity. Now listen, if you if you listen to that and you kind of try to pray along with me, pray in your own words. Pray in your own words. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. By the way, the closing of the eyes business when you pray, that's not how they pray. It's not how they pray. It's not it's not accurate. The true faithful prayed like this or on their face, the true faithful. The folks that had miracles in their lives prayed like that. But the key is they prayed sincerely and they prayed believing. They prayed in faith. That's what you have to do. Ask God to forgive you and he will. Ask God to fill your heart and he will. I'm telling you, ask God 
to deliver to you a new way of living, and he will every single time. Now, I'm not going to be one of them TV preachers that tells you you're going to have a Bentley in your in your uh, garage when you get home if you do this, and if you just believe on this, that, and the other, that it, everything's going to turn around in the natural, because it's not. If that were the case, folks, I wouldn't have rode here in a Ford F-150 pickup. I'd have rode here in a Bentley with the top down. It's just a fact. If that were the case, no Christians would have bills. If that were the case, no Christians would ever worry. We live, we live real life here, folks. We're not perfect. We're just redeemed. We're saved by the Holy One, the one who will never let you down. And if you prayed that prayer, get a hold of me. Just like for the Bible, don't wait. Get a hold of me. I will see to it. You have every possible resource that I can possibly afford to put in your hands. If I have to take it from my personal library, I will. Do it today. Listen on Wednesday. You're going to hear an amazing story of an amazing yet simple man. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a regular dude. You are going to love what you hear. If you listened this last Wednesday, weren't you blessed by Cheryl Trumley? Any of you who in here listened to that? Wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't she something? Really something special. Go back and listen to this. All this stuff is for free. Keep praying for my friend, Chris Cahalan. Some big decisions in that family. Please keep praying for him. Listen, I, I so appreciate the fact that you all are busy people. You're not just sitting around wondering what to do. The people that come here, they don't just come for the food. They come for the fellowship. But all around the world, you're listening. I know you have a choice. Some There are people, it is 2.30 in the morning in some of the places. I get letters from people, say, and I say, did you listen live? And I look it up on the Internet what time it is there when I'm on, and it's wee hours. And I said, why do you do that? There's just something different about listening live. I don't know what it is. But I thank you for that. I appreciate that. God bless you and keep you. We'll see you on Wednesday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.